The didgeridoo means it's time for the Australia News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline. November 18th, 2012. Well, good day, folks, and welcome back to the Australia Desk for episode 224. Grant, uh, I believe this is called a Wings and Thighs episode. Yeah, mate, and I've been flapping my wings and stroking some thighs. I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm not even touching that one, mate. I wouldn't either. <laughs> okay, well, uh, this gives us an opportunity to go long. Gee, that, that'll upset Rob. <laughs> Let's really get some long stuff happening. Yes. Ah, I see. A half hour Australia desk. What do you reckon, mate? I'll tell you what, we could go pretty close to that. Anyway, what we're going to do this week, seeing as it's a, a bit of a uh, bits and pieces episode, is we are going to go long and we're going to play two interviews in their entirety that uh, we found on uh, Sydney radio station 2GB. Now, up there at night, they have a, a very good show by uh, finance commentator Ross Greenwood called Money News. And uh, he talks to all sorts of really interesting people. And uh, of course, we take a lot of clips actually from their show. It's so it's some great stuff. Well, this week he's been talking to two people in the aviation industry uh, and two very influential people, two people that actually, uh, particularly the first one, Max Moore-Wilton, uh, they actually cop uh, quite a bit of stick usually in the media and uh, this is obviously a chance grant for them to have their say. Now, Max Moore-Wilton is the chairman of the Sydney Airports Corporation and the other one, of course, is Stephen Byron. He's the managing director of Canberra Airport. Now, uh, for our overseas listeners who are not uh, familiar, Canberra, of course, is the capital city of Australia. It's, uh, what, grand about a three-hour drive, I guess, south of Sydney? Yeah. What was supposed to happen was Sydney and Melbourne were having a bit of a fight about what would be the federal capital of Australia when it became a whole country. And uh, yeah, they decided, okay, we'd set off two parties, one from Melbourne, one from Sydney, and where they met in the middle, that would be the new country's capital. Yeah, it looks like the Sydney side has got a little delayed because it's uh, closer to Sydney than it is to Melbourne. They're saying that uh, if they were to put a high-speed rail line in, well, they could uh, start sending a lot of uh, congested Sydney uh, airport traffic down to Canberra and link the two cities. Now, personally, I don't think that will ever happen, but uh, we've we've talked a lot about uh, this subject on the Australia desk uh, over the years and the subject of a second airport for uh, the city of Sydney is uh, always a very, very prominent subject when it comes down here. Now, Sydney Airport uh, is largely constrained, really, by political interference in our opinion. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, very severe caps on movement. It has a curfew and all sorts of things that we down here in Melbourne certainly don't have to put up with. Well, uh, let's have a listen to this interview now. It goes for about eight minutes. Max Moore-Wilton talking to uh, Ross Greenwood on Money News on 2GB. That's 2GB.com. And uh, Let's hear what he has to say. Very interesting stuff. In terms of the opinion about what should be done about a second airport or expansion of airports in Sydney, the busiest, most populous city in this country, the absolute hub, the place where most aircraft land, is always getting beyond a joke because depending on who you talk to, it's got to be, number one, we desperately need a second airport, be it at Badgerys Creek or wherever. Or we don't need that. We actually need to expand Sydney Airport. Or we don't need that. What we need to do is expand either the airport at Newcastle, at Williamtown, or we expand the airport at Canberra and put in a high-speed train. It really is. And it depends on whether you talk to the Minister for Infrastructure federally, whether you talk to the New South Wales Premier or the Treasurer, or indeed the Prime Minister. It doesn't matter who you talk to. There's a different opinion, which is almost bizarre in some ways. Let's now go and talk to the Chairman of Sydney Airport. I'm sure he'll have very strong views about this. Max Moore-Wilton is the boss there. He's uh, got very strong control, there's no doubt, over Sydney Airport and very strong views about the way in which its planning should be managed into the future. He joins us now. Many thanks for your time, Max. Thanks, Ross. Um, It would be fair to say that you are right now saying that the very last thing Australia needs, perhaps, is a new airport. Do you still hold by that? Absolutely. It could be a complete and utter waste of public money. 
Yet Lee Clifford, who is the chairman of uh, Qantas and who's a man not without his own influence, the uh, former chief executive at Rio Tinto, has basically said that Australia needs a second airport. We've got to get on to it as soon as possible. And if we don't, that basically Australia will be going backwards in 20 years' time. Well, firstly, let me say I have a lot of respect for Lee Clifford. Qantas is our biggest customer at Sydney Airport, and we want to do everything we can to help Qantas in uh, becoming a more profitable and efficient airline. But what Lee Clifford doesn't say, or Alan Joyce for that matter, is that Qantas wants Sydney Airport as it currently exists to continue to grow and to be run more efficiently. They also say that they're in favour of a second Sydney Airport because the minister that's responsible for Qantas's future, Anthony Albanese, says that that's what should happen. What Qantas doesn't say is if you say to them, well, that's fantastic. Now, are you prepared to move the Qantas operation to Wilton or to Badgerys Creek? You don't get an answer because their answer would be, I suggest if you ask them, oh, we'll stay at Kingsford Smith. Our competitors will have to move to the second airport if that's necessary. It'd be unfair to move us. And as you'd know, Ross, to split Qantas's operations between two airports certainly wouldn't lower their cost base. It certainly would not do that, and that is what every airline is after right now. Okay, so can I go to the New South Wales Treasurer? Now, Mike Baird has indicated that he believes that there should be additional runways built uh, at Mascot to basically allow extra capacity to come into Sydney Airport. Now, is the Treasurer basically on cloud cuckoo land, or is the airport itself worked out that this is a viable thing to do? Ross, uh, people have been talking for years about uh, putting more runways on Botany Bay. It was hard enough getting the second runway or the third runway put into to Botany Bay some years ago. Uh, I can just imagine the uh, fishermen, the people in the, uh, in the neighbouring suburbs really being quite happy about that happening. You don't have to do that. We are not short of runway capacity. What we are is heavily constrained by government state and federal, in the way in which we use those runways. Uh, now, if anybody flies into Sydney, you know, you fly in from the ocean, and uh, what's underneath it? An oil refinery and uh, about 100-odd houses or so at Cornell. We're not allowed to use our two runways in parallel uh, because of the noise impact on Cornell and the noise impact on other areas, particularly areas in Minister Albanese's electorate, which he and his wife uh, make their living from. So all you really need is a much more practical and intelligent use of the runways that we currently have. Aeroplanes are bigger and quieter. Uh, The air traffic control is much more technically efficient than in the past. But the politicians are resolutely opposed, Liberal and Labor, in those electorates around the airport to changing any of the restrictions they have on Sydney Airport. It is a complete and utter abdication of their responsibilities to the nation. Should the curfews at Sydney Airport be lifted? We're not asking for the curfews to be lifted. No, I didn't ask you whether you're asking for that, but should they be lifted? If we thought they should be lifted, we'd ask for it. We're not asking for it. So you don't need the curfews lifted, but you believe you could take more traffic if you're able to use both parallel runways simultaneously? Absolutely. 
we know that Sydney airports could operate maybe uh, 120, certainly in excess of 100 aircraft every hour, takeoff and landing. There is, a, there is a cap imposed by the federal government of no more than 80 movements an hour, and because of Minister Albanese's absolute paranoia about never exceeding, the officials that manage that for the government effectively mean that we can't even operate 80 movements an hour. Now, that is a complete cost to the travelling public that we can't operate that more efficiently. Given the fact that you wish to operate more than 80 per hour, do you right now have the capacity to take more than 80 aircraft per hour if you're allowed to do it? You could do it at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Is that right? So as a result of that, there is more capacity that could be built into the system with a stroke of the pen as distinct from moving to Badgerys Creek, to Canberra, to Newcastle, wherever else, Wilton, wherever else somebody might want to go and build a multi-billion dollar um, airport. Absolutely. All right. Now, if given the chance, however, and somebody said, well, look, we don't mind what you're saying, Max, we want to build another airport, would you put your hand up to be the operator and, and or the owner of that airport? Ross, we have under the contract when we purchased Sydney Airport the right of first refusal on a second Sydney Airport within 100 kilometres of the Sydney Basin of of Kingsford Smith. However, uh, we are rational investors for our shareholders. Why on earth would we build a second airport when we know that the current asset that we paid $5.6 billion to the federal government to only 10 years ago, is perfectly capable of handling all of the likely and projected flights for the next 20 years. The government has those figures. It knows that. And it, it almost smacks of pr- smart practice for a federal government to sell an airport for such a huge amount of money, which is running efficiently, and to then say... We now want to talk about having a second airport, which under any scenario will make the current Kingsford Smith Airport less efficient. And less profitable. Well, obviously. I mean, we're, not, we're in the business to make a profit. That's reasonable. I've got to say, Max Moore Wilton, there's not a time that I don't talk to you that I don't learn something and also get a very strong opinion. I've got it from you tonight as well. Max Moore Wilton is the chairman of Sydney Airport, and you've just heard there the argument as to why you don't need a second airport and indeed why, with the stroke of a pen, you could change traffic into Sydney Airport and increase its capacity. I want to hear your view, 131873. I appreciate your time, Max. Thank you, Ross. One other thing. I should, could, could I just say one more thing? Of course. Uh, we want the airlines and the government and the air traffic authorities to work with Sydney Airport to give a better service to Australia and to Sydney. We don't want a second-class service. I can assure your listeners of that. Brilliant. Max Moore-Wilton. Yep, so there you go. And you can tell that uh, that actually left uh, Ross Greenwood quite stunned, I think, uh, some of those comments. Uh, very, uh, very telling there. And uh, I guess he must have been listening to us, Grant, because uh, all the things we talk about when he's bagging Anthony Albanese, the transport minister, for example, well, it's, <laughs> it's all right there. And uh, I tell you what, a lot of the things he said there made a lot of sense to me. I think it's very interesting uh, that definitely he was, they were right about the um, 
terrors of these political machinations and uh, electorates just off either end of the cross runway and how that uh, east-west runway could be better utilised if the politicians just you know tell people the truth, which is, hello, the airport was here first. But the movement cap is a joke. I was actually surprised that um, he, he didn't realise that that was happening, that if you took that movement cap away, you could easily get another 20 movements an hour in there. Uh, he's obviously not heard the stories of aircraft being told, all right, park, no one's moving anywhere for the next 10 minutes. We've uh, hit our cap and things like that that are going on. Honestly, I think Max has got a lot of vested interest in this. Uh, he said their company has the first right of refusal when the second airport goes ahead. They have the opportunity to buy it and be it and manage it and make it. But what if they don't have the money and someone else does? That's what I think they're afraid of. Somebody else coming in, setting up another airport and uh, they make this second airport happen and suddenly Sydney Airport Corporation doesn't have a monopoly on transport in and out of the city. I think, Grant, it would be the proverbial lawyer's picnic if that ever uh, happened, if they tried to set up another uh, airport up there anywhere in the Sydney area. It's just a basket case. I don't know what they're going to do about it. Now, uh, Stephen Byron, the Managing Director of Canberra Airport, meanwhile, uh, he has an interesting uh, slate on it too. And uh, talking about uh, political interference, let's see what he has to say on the subject. Over the past couple of years on this program, from time to time, we have spoken with the head of Canberra Airport. Now, that's Stephen Byron, who's the Managing Director. Now, part of the reason for that is that Stephen Byron and the people at Canberra Airport have long held a view that they could make a genuine contribution in taking pressure off transport in Sydney. Part of the way in which they have planned and contemplated this is a high-speed train, very fast train between Canberra Airport and Central Sydney, perhaps even going around Sydney and going all the way to, to the airport at Newcastle. Now, the interesting point about this is that all during this period of time, there's been to and froing about land that is around Canberra Airport that could be developed for housing. Now, until now, many reports have been commissioned into whether this land should be developed for housing. And many of those reports have indicated that it should not be, mainly because of the noise of aircraft, because unlike Sydney Airport at Mascot, there is no curfew on Canberra Airport. And so if you were able to bring more aircraft into Canberra and then swiftly move those people to Sydney, you would also take some pressure at least off government, state and federal, from even contemplating a third, a second airport rather, even at Badgerys Creek. Now, the federal government, it would prefer to have an airport at Badgerys Creek. It's made no secret of that. And now there's a question today with the New South Wales Planning Minister, Brad Hazard, saying the government, the state government, has agreed to rezone land in the South Tralee housing development that would allow 2,000 homes to be built south of Canberra Airport worth about $400 million that goes against many of the recommendations of reports. So is this effectively chopping off an option for transport when those houses could arguably have been put somewhere else? Stephen Byron is the Managing Director of Canberra Airport who joins us now. Hello there, Stephen. Good, good. Afternoon, boss. Look, here's the point about this. You, for a long time, have been frustrated. You have told people who wish to go and build houses or create developments close to Canberra Airport that you contemplate that your traffic into Canberra Airport is not going to be subdued in the future. In fact, it's going to grow significantly, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, and, you know, we're the only airport within New South Wales that is curfew-free. It's a 24-hour airport and it's 747 capable. We're the only one, in fact, between Brisbane and Melbourne. That's a huge chunk of Australia 
And that is why the curfew-free status of Canberra Airport is a critical asset, not just for the Canberra community, but for the New South Wales and Sydney communities as we take the pressure off Sydney Airport. Okay, so the government says, well, all right, this is okay. We're going to tell the residents that go there um, that there will be noise as a result of aircraft. We'll also tell them that the uh, houses have got to be built, so they've got to be further soundproof than normal housing would be, uh, and there would have to be restrictions um, so that there would be uh, sort of understanding, at least, that there is noise exposure in those areas, even though it would be outside the specific Australian noise exposure forecast contour. So why would there be a problem in building houses close to Canberra Airport, in your mind? Well, because people complain when they live in houses under flight paths. They don't complain in their first, second or third year of ownership, but they change, that they start complaining when the aircraft movements increase and when there are new flights at night and that sort of thing. So they start out all right, but then they complain. And there's good reason to complain because they can move the flight paths away from their houses. Um, you see, Canberra's unique. We've got heaps of land. In fact, we could we could double the population of Canberra and Queanbeyan, build another 164,000 houses and not put one house under a flight path. But this government, this New South Wales government, who are basically no different to the last lot, seem hell-bent on putting 2,000 houses directly under the flight path. So how many reports and how many inquiries and how many communities has this gone to? Because, say, for example, the, 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 for the Tony Kelly, who, of course, has got issues with ICAC, was forced previously to refer Trialee to the Independent Planning Assessment Commission. That was back in March 2010. And it also said, no, don't do it. So, so how many times does government need to be told, don't do this, before somebody listens and doesn't put the houses under something, which ultimately could expand the economy of New South Wales? That's right. There have been seven different independent inquiries look at this, and all seven of them have 100% said, don't build here, build in other locations, because you'll end up with noise sharing a flight pass and you'll end up with a curfew on Canberra Airport. Um, not only that, the, the, the fact that Tony Kelly, the ex-minister, was forced to refer it to the Independent Planning Assessment Commission. Well, that happened because of the political donations by the developer to the former New South Wales government, the Labor government. Now, it was Barry O'Farrell in opposition that forced that reform because he said when when there are major multi-million dollar decisions, this is a $400 million windfall from a rezoning are made, they shouldn't be made by ministers not the Minister for Planning, not Minister Sartor, and indeed the same order apply to Minister Hazard because they're the same Minister for Planning, shouldn't be made um, when there have been political donations. So you should not only just refer it to this Independent Planning Assessment Commission, I reckon the system only works if you follow their advice. The other point about this is that some would say, well, perhaps this actually thwarts the ambition of Canberra Airport because... Clearly, Sydney Airport would be having some say in this, and they continue to say, and I hear them say, that they have plenty of capacity, they can keep on growing, they can bring bring more aircraft in. Um, we don't need Canberra. We, frankly, don't need Badgeries Creek. Uh, and if you've got a monopoly business uh, on aircraft uh, routes in and out of Sydney uh, and in and out of New South Wales, effectively, then why would you be easily giving that up? Well, I think Sydney Airport has... has you know, quite properly made their case that they can grow 
for longer and take more planes and um, flying into the airport than the official studies. But whether you take the official studies or you take Sydney Airport's growth plans, ultimately Sydney Airport will be full and Sydney will need a second airport. And it either goes at Badgerys Creek or, as Premier O'Farrell has said, it ought to go at Canberra Airport with a high-speed rail. Now, the reason he supports Canberra, not Badgerys Creek, is he wants to protect the residents of Western Sydney in their houses from aircraft noise. The bit I just don't get, because it's not consistent, is how O'Farrell, as Premier, can say Canberra Airport is his solution, but he's going to build and approve 2,000 homes directly under the flight path. Tell you what, we'll get to the Premier. We will find that answer out. Stephen Byron, the Managing Director of Canberra Airport, and we'll try and report back to you because it does seem rather curious. So I say, why, if that was potentially your growth area, would you put those houses underneath it that could ultimately end up stymieing or thwarting the expansion of the very thing that's going to help you out. Doesn't make sense. Always good to talk, Stephen. Thanks very much, Ross. And so there we go, Grant. I tell you what, you see what I mean? It, uh, you, everybody just needs to move to Melbourne. We have a much better airport here. Oh, yeah, no we don't have half the congestion that uh, Sydney has at their airport. But I've got to say, mate, having listened to that one, regarding O'Farrell and New South Wales, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I mean, unbelievable. They want Canberra Airport to be their, uh, their, their their secondary airport. They want to have a fast train line. They want to have all this great stuff with Canberra Airport. But guess what? We're going to put a, uh, a housing division in that area, which is going to lead to a curfew. You, you know it's going to happen. People, as he said, people are going to complain. And it's like, you know, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I just thought uh, since we had the opportunity to go along in this episode that uh, this would uh, be a good opportunity for uh, listeners to hear those two interviews in their entirety. I thought they were fascinating stuff. Oh, yeah, mate. They uh, they definitely showed the insanity of politics and aviation, especially in the Sydney Basin. Now, Grant, you've put a stack of stuff up here on the uh, screen for us to talk about, uh, but I think we're going to have to hold a lot of this stuff over to next week because speaking what? of Melbourne what? and Sydney Airport, mate, I'm about to hop in my car and drive to Melbourne Airport and uh, <laughs> fly to Sydney. Oh, dude, dude, are you just going up there to get interviews or something? Are you trying to, you know, take the story to Sydney? I've got, I've got stacks of other stuff here about Qantas, the uh, F-35, all sorts of great stuff. I mean, there's even an article on the C-130H retirement. I thought we'd at least cover that. It's your favourite aircraft. Oh, the C-130H retirement. Well, I tell you what, mate, I think I may be able to help you right there. Really? Yes, in fact, folks, uh, and uh, thanks to our very good friends at the uh, Defence Media uh, Establishment there, uh, courtesy of the Royal Australian Air Force, I'm uh, heading up to Sydney and up to RAF Base Richmond to uh, ride on the uh, commemorative uh, C-130H as they are retired at the end of this month. And uh, we're going for a fly in the Hercules, something that I have always wanted to do. I just, I, I'm just, <laughs> well, as you can tell, I'm almost speechless with excitement. I, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, the aircraft's going to take off from Richmond RAF Base, fly out over uh, Sydney, out over Cronulla, uh, across the harbour and uh, there'll be a, it'll be a two-ship flight. Uh, the second uh, aircraft is the one I'll be in that's got uh, some very interesting uh, uh, commemorative uh, artwork painted on the tail and of course the other bird will be up there uh, you know, with the uh, pool photographers taking uh, heaps of video and heaps of photos. So I'll try and uh, stick my head out the uh, back there, Grant, when they open the tailgate and see if uh, I can't fall out. Mate, try and avoid that. I mean, it's it's great that uh, the RAF have, have allowed you to have space to go on the ride uh, and it's going to cost us a little bit to get you up there but I think it's going to be totally worth it, mate. Uh, definitely a sound investment from PCDU and major thanks to the guys at the RAF media crew. Uh, really, really appreciate the opportunity to get you on board. Of course, our good friend David Van Hoof has uh, sent me all sorts of advice uh, if they do open the ramp, like basically hold on to everything and don't fall out. And, uh, <laughs> I think that's fantastic advice and I'll be making sure I do both of everything he says.
I think that's a great idea. Yep, and I'll be back next week to tell you all about it. But uh, for now, I'm about to jump in my car, shoot up the uh, Monash Freeway and get to Melbourne Airport. So until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the landbound Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. Cheers, folks.